how is everything? Are you all right? You're well? Yeah, well, I'm just getting over a, uh, a man flu. I'm on the back end of it, so hopefully I don't sound too nasally. That's right, no, I did um, see that. Man flu, not COVID. Hi, I'm Steve Joel, a radio host and 40k nut from New Zealand. This is my podcast series celebrating the most interesting, fun and occasionally influential people in the big old hobby of Warhammer 40,000. Thanks for tuning in to what will be the final episode in this second season of 40k Game Changers. And this one is a doozy. Is Mikey your, like, is that what your mum calls you, or are you uh, Michael? Uh, officially Michael, uh, but I've been called Mikey ever since I was a kid. Right. Uh, it kind of stuck. Yeah. A spiky Mikey, they called me, because of how my hair grew on the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lush, full head of hair now. There's no spikes. It's just... Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> you can, I feel like you should do those Weller ads. You step out the door and you can tell a Weller woman by the way she wears her hair, you know. It's so lush and flowing. I know. I'm just waiting to get for the, the call, the casting call, you know. <laughs> That's right. In today's conversation, I try and get tips from an expert in the art of clickbait titles and growing your audience by just not taking life too seriously. But that's not me admitting I'm retiring. It's all good now. <laughs> no, people, please don't take that out of context and go, you know, go online. Actually, that could be the clickbait title for this video. Thank you for that. Like live yeah, announcement. Put, put that the start, of the, start of the podcast, you know. Oh, well, I've got to go and get a day job. <laughs> <laughs> Before we start, really quickly. Please go like 40K Game Changers on Facebook, leave a review, check out the website for all the chats with some of the biggest names in the game. Richard Siegler, Winters, the Tabletop Titans, Tabletop Tactics, Rick Priestley, Mike Brandt, Jim Vessel, Reese Robbins, Duncan Rhodes, and so many more. Also, shout out to the team at the Frontline Gaming Network, the biggest and, so far only, supporter of this podcast. Okay, let's do this one more time. He is the face of Hellstorm Wargaming. He's a TO that's literally changed the way tournaments are run, especially in the UK. The man that horrified the world by cutting his old mats down to the new size. He makes battle reports, does podcasts, runs events, travels the world, creates online feuds, 3D prints. He is Mikey Herbert. G'day, mate. Hello, mate. Um, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. I want to start with the mats thing. This made this this caused eruptions around the world, all the way to New Zealand. Your name was being either revered like a god or thrown <laughs> under the bus. Oh man, I definitely upset and also pleased so many people with that. Yeah, um, I think I was the only one doing it. That was the thing. We, um, I've got a good mate named Aaron who basically, as soon as you did it, he went and got his scissors Ooh. and cut all the mats down to size and. There was, Excellent. there was, yeah, and he name dropped you. It's like, hey, Mikey Herbert's doing it. I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> so that's just mad. It's so it's so mad to think that that I just was making a funny video because you know one person got mad at me in the YouTube comment, and then someone down in New Zealand is like, you know what? I live by that. I'm just going to do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so is that how it started? Someone got angry with you on YouTube, and you were like, stuff it. 
Yeah, I think, if I remember rightly, it was like, well, if everyone cuts their mats down, they can fit more tables in, in venues. I mean, we're in the middle of the pandemic, so that's a bad idea, but I think that was kind of like my um, my way to justify it. It was like, smaller mats, more tables, more people, be great. Yeah. And then everyone was like, well, that, well, that's stupid. And then I just started reading comments of everyone telling me I was stupid, and then I just like started snipping them, just it- to wind them up, and then that was it. It does feel like you're that kind of guy. If you, if someone says to you, what a stupid idea, you're more likely to go for the idea, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not one friend that if you egg them on, they'll, they'll just do it and worry about the consequences later. Yeah. It yeah. ends up badly. And there was, but there was, what about all the people who were like, well, hold on, what happens when GW changed their mat size back to 6x4? What are you going to do then, Mikey? Oh, I guess we just send them a bill, right? <laughs> That's right. Can you sew? We'll just iron them or just sew them all back on or get some tape or something. But yeah, the, and iron, melt it back together. It'll be fine. It'll what be fine. I love about it is this. So it doesn't, for us, and I know you're a TO and we'll get to this later, but for us over here, the tables have stayed the same size. The mats are smaller. The tables are the same size. But I need so much small space for putting drinks and boxes. Exactly. Now. So what it means is I can put my dice tray and my drink and my because mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Warhammer 40k very well, but just to play Space Wolves, I need four books. I think. Of course. And, of and that's course. like if I wanted to play a campaign, it would be more books. And then there's the scoring sheet and the you know various objective markers and the, it's just a whole lot of shit. And you've got to have somewhere to put it yeah for sure exactly so my genius idea of let's get more tables in went out the window for more space for put beers down you know which is better right? <laughs> i think everyone's happy with that you know no one's <laughs> shouting at me anymore so <laughs> that's right has anyone come back to you though and said you know mikey i was wrong you were right this matt thing good idea People on the internet don't do that. They just pretend they never said it in the first place. That's right. But <laughs> the internet does not work that way. <laughs> I think we had this. I had a conversation with someone recently where I said something, they said something back. I made, I justified kind of what I meant. They came back and said, "Oh, you've got a good point." And I was like, "Holy sh! Hey, hey, oh whoa! God. This is this is not how Facebook is supposed to work." <laughs> no, no, it's it's a funny old game. Like people on the internet get very angry, but it's one of those. It's, as much as the old saying goes, it is a bit keyboard warrior Yeah, they love to say it online because you know they might get a reaction and they keep going and it entertains them for an hour or two and then they forget about it the next day right no one's come up um, to you at an actual event or in person in the street and said oi Mikey you're stupid so, well I mean not for Warhammer reasons not for videos on the internet <laughs> <laughs> hey um, when I do these chats with people I love going back and finding the very first videos you uploaded there's one with oh, you magnetising a knight from six years ago it, oh, said, yeah. it says you're doing it for a client what was that about? Oh, well, once upon a time, um, Hellstorm started as a um, as a commission painting service, as every named page on Facebook started as, you know. Back in the day, everyone, you know, I painted one model for a friend, so now I'm a commission painting studio, <laughs> right. and I have clients, you know. And as you can see, I'm filming it, if I remember rightly, in front of a, uh, a remote control BB-8 is in the background on yes. my desk, you know, yeah. Just, yeah. just that's it very professional studio and then it quickly i quickly stopped doing that because i realized it took too much time and wasn't worth the effort um and then that's when i pretty much started streaming on twitch and started making youtube videos straight after so on youtube and this is probably my fault i didn't look on twitch 
But on YouTube, you did that one, and then there's like a two-year break. But that's obviously not what happened. You did that one, you decided not to worry about that. Did you go to Twitch for a while first and then transition back to YouTube? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, with Twitch, you probably won't be able to check because old uh, VODs and old streams get deleted after 60 days. So there's right. pretty much nothing on there anymore. Um, but when when Hellstorm became, well, stopped being a painting studio and essentially became um, like a, a live streamer on Twitch, because we, we started doing live stream battle reports around the same time that Warhammer Live started. Wow, okay. So it was kind of like they started doing that, and I was like, wait a minute, I could do that with some webcams rather than like 2,000-pound cameras. Yeah. And then me me and Elliot started doing that together, and then when 8th Edition came out, we did a 24-hour live stream for 8th Edition where we played eight games of 8th Edition in 24 hours, like nonstop. Um, and then after that, I got Elliot and Dan to officially join, and then I was like, well, all our VODs are getting deleted. Maybe we should like record some and put them on YouTube. And then we started putting them on YouTube. And then yeah. now we only do YouTube. So I'm like 100 years old. I can get my head around YouTube. But, but Twitch I have found harder to well, not get my head around. I understand it. But uh, I'm a late mm. adopter of Twitch. I get it. It's there. There's videos on it. And I'll go and watch coverage of events on Twitch. But I feel like YouTube yeah. is still the big dog. Is that fair? Yeah, so so obviously I started on Twitch and then I went on to YouTube and then I tried doing Twitch stuff again and then making the live streams that I did on Twitch into videos on YouTube. The problem with, with, with Twitch, like I could have a really long rant about Twitch's problems and why I don't stream there anymore, but the main crux of it is, is there's no discoverability unless you're live. Right. If you're live, you can find... If, like, if I'm live right now, you could go on Twitch and you could find me, but when you're not on there, you can't find a channel that's offline. It's really difficult. And there's no way to like be discovered while you're offline, which is why YouTube is so massive compared to Twitch. Because when I'm offline on, on YouTube, I have lots of videos and the old streams are on there. And, you know, I'll show up in an algorithm. Whereas on Twitch, I have to be live for you to find me. So it's so much harder to grow over there. I feel like YouTube has also answered the Twitch uh, challenge so that you oh, can yeah. now, you can live stream and you can live chat and you can donate. You know, I can give you money via yeah. YouTube straight away. It all it all happens immediately. So there's, they've kind of gone, oh, we see what Twitch is doing. We think we can do it better. Yeah, exactly. And like, the, like a year ago, it was still a bit hit and miss on YouTube. Like you could live stream, but it wasn't very good. Um, it didn't have a lot of the features, but in like the last six months they've really smashed it and now it's looking like they're going to be making even more features that twitch doesn't have yeah and um blowing them out of the wall you know i i understand so. the i understand the need as well to delete stuff after a period of time if you're a smaller operator but it is kind of a shame oh, yeah. in a way i love the idea that i can go back you know in time and see your very first video or some of your really early mm. stuff on youtube and just see how far you've come in a way that's kind of nice yeah, exactly. It's, it's a real that's the, the real downside with Twitch. You know, I think there's something you can look at old clips. I think that's about it. But then that's relying on viewers making the content, and obviously it's very limited. Yeah. Um, but yeah, YouTube is king. So I was streaming to Twitch right up until January this year, and then I was like, okay, I'm going exclusively YouTube because it just seems to be the best platform for it. Yeah. And then the last two months have really shown that. On YouTube. The whole attitude of your battle reports, when you first decided, you know, this is what we're going to do, you've seen some live streaming, mm -hmm. there's that whole much more relaxed, who gives a shit kind of uh, vibe to it. And the, the videos that I first started seeing of yours, mm 
were on YouTube about four years ago, and you've got that little pre-roll with you and Elliot and or whoever, and you're, oh yeah, uh, you know, and there's always a bit of a gag, and they're all laughing at or with each other. Mm-hmm. It, was that a kind of a deliberate idea of we want to mark this as our point of difference, or was it just like you know this is just what you shoot and you're just putting on whatever you? Was there a strategy behind it, or you're just being silly buggers? I think it was. I think it was a happy accident at first. It was, um, okay, lads, you know, we've all got really good banter with each other. I'm going to start the camera, we're going to film the intro, and I'll be stood in the middle, and the two players will be stood on my left and right, yeah. behind in my old dining room, a plain wall, and then they, they'd, I'd be like, right, okay, and then I'd, like, breathe in to start, you know, start an intro, and then they'd take the mix, you know, they'd say something or do something to try and make me laugh while I'm doing it. Yeah. And then I thought they were really funny, so I kept it in, and then that kind of like became a thing that we did. We just had stupid intros where we'd be mucking about before the actual video starts. Eventually, I'd get my intro out, but it'd be a good 15 minutes of just them messing about, which was awfully funny. And then it just like, it progressed into um, dressing up as random characters from 40K or 30K right. and yeah. acting out terrible horror heresy scenes or taping Elliot a drill to his hand so it could be an iron hand, for example. Yeah. Um, it just, it just got out of hand, basically. <laughs> it's just I, like, okay, this is really funny. How can we make it even better and more crap? <laughs> I remember there was, oh God, I can't even, you know, this is off the top of my head. I should have done my research better. But there's one where I feel, not you, but one of the other guys basically goes all the way outside the house and is standing in your backyard uh-huh. And doing something like it's just all just then this is all in the pre-roll. It's just all hilarious stuff before the battle report even begins. Yeah, it was, we we did we used to go all out. Uh, we haven't done it so much anymore because we've obviously moved to like live battle yeah, reports yeah. mostly now. Um, but we all we always used to go out for like new codex battle reports because we knew they'd get a lot of views because obviously it's new. There was one where Elliot was trying to become a space wolf and he he attacked a teddy bear in the garden with a knife. <laughs> With like a kitchen knife, right. and then there was the other one that always gets mentioned is the uh, the white scars one, um, where Elliot is trying to become a white scar. So he's got a a cyber eagle, which is in fact a a, a kangaroo, which is sent by a um, a good uh, friend of ours from Australia. Um, a can a canned kangaroo, which is stuck to his arm, um, and then he was like riding a bike down the street and stuff, and they came off it and stuff. It is hilarious. <laughs> so I love that. The it's thing like is, though, as as much as, you know, it's all having a laugh, making battle yeah. reports is a lot of work, though. So it's kind of, was it hard to keep that up, I guess, is what I'm asking. Keep up that just we're all having a laugh and having fun doing this. But at the same time, think, you've got to edit it all and you've got to get the keep the release rate <laughs> up and all of that stuff, you know. It's one of those things. It's like the hardest thing with battle reports is that you spend hours and hours editing them and then people click off like 10 minutes. You know, they'll watch the 10, so 10 minutes, they'll click at the list, they'll decide who's won, they'll click to the end and then they'll click off. Yeah. But when we were doing like funny stuff, that probably took, arguably took them a lot of the time, like a good, I wouldn't say most of the time, but a good portion of the editing time was in the intro, you know, yeah. the funny bit. And that just kept people, it made people keep coming back. Yeah. And uh, we kind of like solidified ourselves as people who play Warhammer. We play Warhammer pretty well, we definitely don't take ourselves seriously, which I think is a lot to be said in the um, in the 40k community for over the past few years. You know, <laughs> yeah. we're just those ones who take the mick and don't care, and we'll make idiots of ourselves because it's fun and it makes other people laugh, which has always been the most important thing. Yeah, and it does. It makes people laugh. But the other thing, it's 
and this is not a criticism or a negative in any way. It's kind of uh, the other thing about your battle reports is how beautifully painted the armies are, and you've always got the you know the, the terrain and everything. It just looks amazing. I remember seeing a Blood Angels one and thinking, "Holy crap! These are just it looks so good." Which for some other channels is their big focus. Your big focus was just having fun and creating a battle report of ha- out of having fun and being guys who get on super well. But at the yeah. same time, you've got these beautiful armies and it just looks like a great battle report, which you didn't seem, outwardly to me anyway, as an occasional viewer, you didn't seem to be pushing as hard. Um, I guess so. I mean, I, I like, I'm quite an avid painter. So yeah. I used to be a commission painter for a very short amount of time, you might have heard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm quite an avid painter. And I'm, 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 I love painting. I, well, I'm very bad at making battlefields, but I know how to scatter rocks in the right place, you know? Sure. Um, and I, like making it look good was important, but it's like once you've got that bit sorted, the most important bit is the interaction between the players. Like yeah. the game can be happening, but if the players are aboard or they're not having getting on or they're not like cracking jokes at each other, then if I'm if I'm bored playing the game because I'm just playing the game, then the people watching are going to be bored. Yeah, and that's like always been my mindset. It's always going to be like, okay, we've got a nice looking battlefield, we've got some nice armies on the board, right? How can I wind you up while I'm playing and make myself laugh? <laughs> yeah, well, it's and it's way back in episode one of this, I had Lawrence on, and and at that time, Bone was still a big part of his operation. And, yeah. and we talked about that relationship. It was one of the big driving forces for people to go and watch that channel is, is just the banter and the relationship. Same for you guys, right? You already are friends. You already yeah. get on well. And that just kind of really comes across well in what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, like, with YouTube, like, obviously we all do 40K, but the most important bit is personality. Like, yeah. 40K and or any, any game that we're playing on the channel is just kind of like a force to put our personalities in. It's just kind of like the vessel, as it was. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I think we have a good laugh, but we could be doing anything, and people would watch and hope they enjoy themselves. You know, yeah. we've we've broken out and done lots of other things, but I think the people on the channel and the personality from the people is the most important bit. Oh, out and they also happen just just so happen to be playing Warhammer at the same time. Right. That and clickbait titles. So that's the other yeah, most important. I bit. mean. I mean, you know, got to get those new people in. Got to get those new people in so they can start laughing too. That's right. So I just want to touch on something you mentioned earlier where people check out after 10 minutes or or whatever it might be. So just behind the scenes, can you see the data on, like, if people are watching the whole thing, if they're coming in halfway through? I think I'm more likely to skip straight to the battle report. Forget about the army lists. I'll see those on the way through the game. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, just watch the bat rep and other people will see the funny bit, watch the army lists and then check out. Is it so can you yeah. see all of that happening? So so as a yeah, as a behind the scenes, let me just click on the video so I can get all the, the bits you can see. So as a YouTuber you can see a lot and probably one of the most important things is finding out these most important bits. So for example, I can see um how old people are if they're subscri- subscribed to the channel um, where they're located, if they're male or female. A lot of this, if you're not finding YouTube kind of guesses from other videos you're watching. But I also have a big graph that's called Key Moments. They have like a line graph that shows like bits that most people are watching. Right. So it'll say like average view duration, um, average amount of people who watch the full thing. And then it'll have like key moments. So these will be like big spikes that people have clicked and watched rather than skipped past. 
So, like, we always saw on a battle report, we'd, you'd watch most people, like, probably, like, 70% of people would watch the footy intro, and then you'd get a really big dive to, like, 10% until the first list starts. And then, like, 10 seconds later, once you've seen a picture of the army, you'd see a big dive to the second list, and then another spike when the game starts. Right. So it showed us that people weren't bothered about watching what was in the list. They just wanted to see the models and then and then watch the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, you can see quite a lot, to be honest. It's funny. I, I um, Years ago, a long, 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 long time ago, I wrote a, a book and was lucky enough to have it published. And I was with somebody. I was with somebody one day, and they uh, they were the type of person that skips to the last chapter to see if they want to read the rest of the book. And so this guy got my book, and he jumped straight to the last chapter, and I nearly punched him in the face because I'm like, it, excellent. It took me months of work to get to that yeah. moment, and that you are now like you've just cut there in five seconds. You must yeah. feel when you're looking at these numbers. You know what? We put so much effort into getting this, 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 and this. And people just yeah. tune in for ten minutes, or tune in to see the very end or the very beginning. It's it's uh, yeah, it's brutal. It's so brutal because I said like a bar report can take between probably like four and six hours to film on a good day, um, and then to edit, it probably takes between ten and fifteen hours. So you're looking at like a twenty a twenty hour work roughly on a good day, twenty hours to put out a bar report, and then you see people what average watch time will be anything between like. It'd be like an hour and a half, and it'd be between the average watch time would be between like ten and twenty five minutes. And it's just like, oh man, why <laughs> yeah. did that bother? Yeah, that's um, right. So much work into every edit, making sure everything's there that needs to be there, and then they just yeah. click every off. Every second has to be perfect, and then people only watch a third of it if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of like why um, the channel as a whole. Um, obviously, I, I didn't do this as a full time job before the pandemic. And mid pandemic, I was made redundant, which is, and then this became my full time job. And during the pandemic, when I couldn't film battle reports, I kind of flipped the channel on its head and did something a little bit different. Where before, before we when we could film battle reports, we pretty much exclusively made battle reports, and then. I started, I started the series Coffee Time yeah. in the middle of the pandemic, and that's where I started like really getting my my solo personality across. You know, that's where I started doing like talking head stuff, which moved back into doing like live streams where it's all talking head rather than like painting or live streaming a game. Um, and that's kind of like where everything had to change because we physically couldn't film battles. And then that kind of made me realise it was like, wait a minute, I could put twenty hours into a battle report and get you know. 10,000 views and then 20 minutes of watch time or I could make like five or six videos talking about something that's happening in the community get less views but the same amount of watch time right well less views than a video but I'm putting out like five videos instead rather than one and um, that's where the channel really really spiked in the middle like back in 2020 and that's where it actually became viable to be a job See, I was uh, going to ask about this later, but you brought it up, so we might as well get into it now. That whole thing of being made redundant and then... Because mm. some people would have gone, well, I guess I'm out then, <laughs> you know, because you, yeah. you need money to do this as well. <clears throat> and it's a massive it's a massive leap. Can I ask, what were you doing before? Is it okay to ask about that? Yeah, of course. I was, um, I was working at university as an electrical engineer. Right. Um, and then mid-pandemic, I was, I was on furlough for three, four months, I think. And then I was like, well, my girlfriend's in another city three hours away, so I can't see her because we're in lockdown. Um, so I'm just going to work on the channel as much as I can because I enjoy doing that. Right. And then I was made redundant, and I was like, well, I could go and get another job, 
I could put this redundancy money in the bank or I could pay myself a wage for a few months and see if I, see if I can do it and give it a go because I don't think I'll get an opportunity like this. Yeah. And then in those few months, I managed to turn it into an all right paying job, you know. And were there people that... He pays the bills, you know. Yeah. So. Were there people that you had to, you know, run that past, like parents, girlfriend, whoever, where you had to go? or significant people in your life where you go, hey, I've got this idea, I'm going to take all the money I've got and just <laughs> do Warhammer videos for spend a living. On, spend it on rent. <laughs> um, yeah, so I spoke to um, I spoke to my mum and she was like, "You, she's she's kind, she's very always supportive, never really got it, but she's always been supportive. <laughs> and she was like, you do you. And I was like, thanks, mum. Yeah. Um, I spoke to Georgie, my, uh, my better half, um, we'd been dating for uh, just uh, like 18 months, I think. Yeah, 18 months. And I was like, hey, do you want to move in? And we were supposed to move in like around the time the pandemic started. We had no idea. So we, we delayed it. And then like two months before she she moved in, I was like, hey, I'm going to be made redundant and I'm going to do four hundred for a living. What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> and obviously she had a bit of a breakdown about that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, it's such a good then, place to start start the whole oh, yeah. thing from, right? Yeah, so the, the day I got made redundant, the day after Georgie moved in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. So that's so, like how close it all happened. And, but it's, you know, the, that whole thing with Georgie, it's just gone from strength to strength. Uh, again, I don't oh, yeah. know how much of your personal life, but she's featured a lot more on your videos and your, you know, your stuff recently. Yeah. So, I mean, she was personally invited to a Games Workshop event for the Horus Heresy, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she, she's really good. She was, she was the only one I could make games with as well in the pandemic. Right. I moved her in, and I was like, well, I need someone to film with, so here you are. <laughs> did she... <laughs> have to play Warcry with me. <laughs> did, did she ask the question, when you said, do you want to move in, did she say, is it because there's no one else to play with? Well, I had a housemate at the time that actually kicked out from <laughs> Right. Wow. Listen, you've come so, so far as well. We can kind of come back to all of the, all of this as, later as well. But if you think about how far it's come, like since then, uh, oh, since mate, it's since crazy. that, yeah, I can't, I can't believe it's been nearly two years since I left. I keep I like I like left left work in uh, July twenty twenty. Um, and I, I keep because I was on furlough for so long. I keep thinking, oh, they're going to call me and ask me to go back to work soon. I've got to go back to my day job soon. Right. And I'm just like, it's so, it's so weird. I just sit at home and make Warhammer videos. It's so bizarre. Yeah. But it's just crazy how much is different since I actually made the leap as well. You know. So it's just been a wild couple of years. It's much harder to explain to people. someone at the pub as well. If someone asks you, "What do you do?" Electrical engineer at the university is easy to understand. <laughs> Oh mate, I've got a, I've got a trick. Go on. Um, I just I just saying I'm an accountant. <laughs> right, um, and they go oh, um, and there's nothing. Oh, there's... Yeah, oh yeah, you you do numbers. What else do I need to ask? That's something boring. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. some people I tell, but if I'm in a taxi and I've you know I've, I've either been I'm mean, I'm either on my way somewhere and I'm feeling pretty chill and I just want to play on my phone. And then they start a conversation. I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm an accountant. That's right. There's no follow-up question to it, is there? It's just like... No, never. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So I have that in my back pocket. If I'm feeling chatty, I'll tell people. But if I'm at, like, the barbers or something, they're about to shave my beard, I'm like, I'm an accountant. I don't want to talk right now. Just, yeah. just trim my beard, please. So, <laughs> so when you've got... Now, let's go back behind the scenes again because it's very different mm. now to what it was uh, when you first started out. I imagine... 
Let's talk about the difference. Take us back to the early days and then talk about now. When you first started, I imagine it was you and Elliot and a phone, and as you said, in your dining room. Pretty low tech. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm currently using the headset I use to record battery reports back in the day to talk to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. For people listening, we're doing this over an old school phone line. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah. pretty basic. Um, but then now you've yeah. got, if I watch your videos, I, you know, not long after you started, I tune in and I watch you and Tank playing a game. And mm-hmm. you are playing the game, which is complicated enough but also responding to people on the live chat and switching camera angles and updating stuff online. And there's a lot to do for you. That would make my brain explode. Yeah, Yeah, I've I've definitely, um, it's quite funny because like there's a lot of people who do live battle reports these days, you know, tabletop titans are kind of like the grand, but if if mini walking were the, the grandfathers of battle reports as a whole, tabletop titans are the grandfathers of live battle reports. Yeah. But they've always done it with three people, and I've always never had that luxury, especially, you know, like post-lockdown when we really started doing it. We couldn't have so many people in the house all at once. And I was filming in the dining room back then, which is obviously not the great greatest amount of space. Yeah. So I have, like, a, a control panel next to, next to my board and then a live chat next to me as well. So it's it's fun. It's definitely an, an experience. You should definitely try it if you ever want to really feel what it's like to film about a report. Like run a run a live stream, talk to a live chat, and try and remember what's going on in the game. I can't see. This is the thing. I have enough trouble remembering the rules of the game and also then my army rules, you know, and not yep. stuffing that up without the cameras. How do you like? You must. There must be moments where people go, "No, that's wrong," or you you mess it up, or whatever. Oh yeah, oh yeah, all the time. Well, that kind of just adds to it, you know. <laughs> because for someone who doesn't take themselves so seriously, when I get something wrong, I'm like. Whoops! Yeah, <laughs> you know, let's take it for what it is. You know, I'm, I'm talking to you guys. That's why I've made a mistake. It's your fault, not mine. I feel it's like that's the it's the number one thing that that. Well, is it the number one thing? I don't know. It's one of the top things that uh, Joe Public will criticise about bat rep channels. Mini wargaming gets it in the neck all the time. Tabletop yeah, tactics get yeah. it. You know, particularly a couple of the players where they go, oh, they don't know the rules. You know, they get the rules wrong yeah. all the time. Um, but we yeah. all get the rules wrong all the time. It's just those guys do it on camera. You do it on camera. So do you think the yeah, best attitude exactly. is just to not take it too seriously? Is that the answer? I, I think so. Yeah, I think like we've well, like what we used to do and like what tabletop tactics do, if you make a mistake in a battle report, you spend, as I said, 20 hours making this game and the first comment is, actually, you can't do this. And it's like, oh, bugger. <laughs> when, when it's live, it's a bit more casual because people will go, oh, you can't do this. And you can kind of go back on yourself because that's yeah. the whole, the, the benefit of like a live chat and interaction and stuff is you not only have people insulting you, you also have people like saying, actually, you got this wrong. Yeah. And you can do it there and then, which is kind of nice. Yeah, or, and yeah, just just take out the chin. You know, what else can you do? We all make mistakes. You don't have tens of thousands of people watching you make those mistakes. You're playing with a friend who didn't know at the time. It's funny. I like this. Is it's not just I do this radio show in New Zealand. We do four mm-hmm. hours a day, every day on the radio, five days a week, and it's just content. Every all like we spend so long sure. figuring out what to talk about. I mean, you sometimes you put just a, so much effort in. And you, you know, you organize an interview weeks in advance and you do the interview, edit the interview, you get it on air and then you create a whole stream around it and whatever. And then you'll go out and you'll bump into someone in a shop and they'll say, you messed up the traffic report today. And you're like, you know what? (laughs) 
this shut up. You know what? <laughs> Thank you, but just shut up. <laughs> That's what you take away from from the hours and hours of effort that yeah. I stuffed up the pronunciation of a name or the traffic report. So it is <laughs> it is when you're doing it's just like those things. Yeah. When they you're doing something in public and everyone can see you doing it and it's live and it's right now. But the flip side is you don't need to spend ten hours editing stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's probably why, like, live bar reports are so popular these days. Yeah. And that's why we've moved towards them. It's like there's no editing. It's all live. There's more pressure because, obviously, like, the when you when you are, like, recording stuff is that you can kind of, like, plan funny bits and then get them in. And if you didn't do it right, you record it again, you know? Yeah, yeah. Whereas it's live, you've got to be on for three hours or four hours constantly, which is hard. Yeah, but you have the benefit of a live chat to bounce off, which is amazing. It's the best best experience for like playing games is when someone else you've got like the essentially the third person insulting you, um, and and if you do make those mistakes, you can correct them. And then once it's done, it's done, which is nice. And it, some people are just naturally suited to the live thing; they're able to do it. Other people maybe find it a bit draining or a bit hard to last that three or four hours. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like the the watch watchability of a of a live game compared to an edited battle report is is like so different you have to be like built built different to go and sit back and watch an entire live stream compared to like a battle report that's nicely edited that's like an hour and a bit long yeah it's much easier it's great um, in the uk but, new zealand and australia because we're used to watching cricket but if you're an american it might be a bit hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly um but yeah so but, uh, that's probably the one big complaint about live compared to like other battle reports but then our big complaint is well we have to spend a 20 20 hours editing it and yeah people don't watch all of it yeah so. that's right. That's right. you're only going to watch 20 minutes of it anyway piss off exactly so, yeah. so. now 40 minutes just need to do a 20 minute version they, they've already smashing it they did a 20 minute version they would be rolling rolling yeah um so listen let's let's transition into your your running events because it feels like that seem that's a natural progression for people we're even doing it over here in new zealand a group of us who just wanted to go to events and then we did some content and now we're running events you got into the whole running events thing was that a big decision to move into that is it did, did you just slide naturally into it was it a strategic thing again how did that come about Oh, mate, nothing I've done in my YouTube career has been strategic. It's all been happy accidents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love that. Um, but I think I think um, we 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 were going to so many events at the time because we were to like you know oh if you go to a tournament you can promote the channel, which probably is but not really not it's not really that beneficial to the channel to go to a tournament unless you win, right. um, which I wasn't doing at the time, um, but. It's, it, we were going to so many, I was like, oh, well, no one's doing it in our area because we're always traveling, so maybe we could give it a go. And we did one, and it sold out in, like, a day, I think. I think it was just, like, a one-day, 24-man, like, RTT at the time. Yeah. Um, and um, it sold out in a day. I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll put, another, we'll put another couple of tickets up. And then we ended up selling, I think it was, like, 36 tickets to a three-round event. Um, and we're like, oh, okay, well, this this seems to be all right. Let's uh, let's do another one, and then it just kind of like spiraled after that. And then um, we were due to run um, the fifth big GT. We dubbed it into the Hellstorm Five, and then um, we obviously had the, the the lockdown, so we could we had to postpone that one. Um, and then so obviously two years go by, and then we ran. We ran a new, the, the same event, essentially the rescheduled event in two halves because we had a smaller venue. 
Um, and then it's just been non-stop after that because what I did in the lockdown was like, in 8th edition, you can have like random sets of terrain and you'd probably be okay on the tables, you know, just shuffle yeah. a few and then you've got a good table of terrain. Whereas in ninth edition, it's all, you know, standardized terrain. It's got to have this, you know, it's got to be set up for all the deployment zones. And we've started to move to that. But when we had, we, we had like 12 tables of standard terrain ready for the fifth big GT. And then the lockdown happened. And in the lockdown, I was like, well, I'm going to get into 3D printing and I'm going to get some 3D printed terrain to make good tables. And then the lockdown kept getting extended. So I kept building tables of terrain until we had like 24 tables of standardized terrain. And then it was like, well, we've got all this terrain now. Um, Because we, because we did something a little bit different because obviously you've got like so many different tournaments with all different standard maps um, for tournament terrain. I was like, well, I, I, I can't design one because I, I don't know what to do. So why don't I just take everyone else's and use them all at the same time? <laughs> so we went from <laughs> we basically went from random terrain on the table to four different types of standard terrain. So we had WTC, um, London GT, um, GameMart.eu, their standard terrain. And then we, we copied the Warhammer US Open with the Perspex and the GW terrain on it. Yeah. Um, and then we started running tournaments like that, and we got so much good feedback. I was like, okay, let's put another tournament out, and then it sold out straight away. And I was like, okay, well, here's some more dates, and then they sold out straight away, and then it just kind of spiraled to where we're running them every couple of months now. And now we've got five different types, and we've added player places as well. So <laughs> we've got, like, if you, it doesn't matter what table you're on, you're not going to be playing on the same terrain because there's five different types. You could be playing something from the US, something from uh, the WTC, something from London, or or player place, which is, you know, pretty much just made up whatever you want, but yeah. you've know, got the same amount. So player place terrain and all the other types all at the same event, but it just whatever table yeah. you end up on, you might get a different kind of setup. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's something that no one else is doing. Yeah. Like, the biggest complaint that I have with standardised terrain is I love it. It's great because it doesn't matter what table I'm on. I'm going to have good terrain in my deployment. But it also doesn't matter what table I'm on. Like, the table number doesn't matter Yeah, because I'm going to have the same table. So we have one to five is each type of terrain and then six to ten and then and so on and then we have random tables so obviously we're only running 48 man events uh, sorry 54 man events at the moment which is obviously not the biggest because our, our the venue we were in went from 86 players to 48 and then we managed to get a few more tables in um because they downsized over the pandemic as well right. um but yeah so i was like well I don't. I want people to have standardised terrain, but I don't want to be like, well, everyone's on the same table because it's boring. Yeah. So that's why we have five types of tables now. I feel like that's a big struggle. Like this is something that we're going through here with our little group. We held a forty-man event recently, and it was just like. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, we still we probably were two or three tables light, so we borrowed some terrain, and so those were the tables that got complained about afterwards. <laughs> were like, you know, always, um, always one table, the yeah. table always struggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are always <laughs> going to be people as well. It doesn't matter what you do with the terrain; there will always be people who are like not that happy with it. Either it's too oh, much yeah. because you've got tau, or there's not enough because you've got space wolves, or you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was the biggest problem we always had. There's always the one dodgy, one or two dodgy tables, usually <laughs> near the bottom, yeah. which is not fair. Just because, just because you're on the bottom table, just because you've either had really rough matchups or you've only played really casually, you shouldn't get like a, a worse table. And it's yeah. not like malicious or anything by a tournament organizer. It just so happens that you start at table one and you work your way down. It's just human nature. That's how you set terrain up. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So that's why we were like, okay, standardized terrain is the way to go, but also we don't want the same the same problem of like because obviously like there's so many large tournaments in the UK now that are all run by the same organizer and they use the same terrain for every event. Um, so we were like, well, that terrain's good, but we don't want to just do that. But also people want to practice on it as yeah. well. Yeah. So we yeah. kind of like found our middle ground of being like, well, you can practice on any table for anywhere in the world. I know? love that. I do like It's a great idea. I think I'm going to take that to the guy. Just And for other people who are smaller tournament organisers, I feel like this is just such mm-hmm. a genius way of doing it because you, it's exciting. You go, uh, okay, what table am I on? I'm table five. Awesome. I get player place terrain. And this is just a new yep. layer of stuff to do. I love that. Very good. While yeah, we're on, exactly. is it because you, uh, you had this, you know, you're the fun guys. You guys have this, you have a lot of fun and you have the banter and you kind mm-hmm. of don't take things too seriously. But then you're a TO and you've got to, you know, be a bit of a hard ass sometimes. Was that a hard transition yeah. for you to make? Um, I think, I think like, I think it's one of those things that you just have to do if you're going to be in that position, you know. If you're going to ask people to come to your tournament, they need someone who's going to take it seriously. Yeah. And I think people don't take me seriously as a tournament organizer because I am the fun guy. But in the past, I have had to, you know, slam the band hammer unwillingly, unwillingly, but it has had to happen. And it's just kind of like, you know, I am the fun guy and I want to be nice and I don't want to have to do this, but sometimes you do have to, you know. Yeah, it's it's also be cruel to be kind as well because everybody needs to be yeah. having a good time. And if you've got one person that you're trying to, you know, one person you have to be hard on so that everybody else mm-hmm. can enjoy the thing more, then that's kind of a you know what I mean. It's but it is it is. I found it tough. Like I just, I I, I find that element of it challenging when you've actually got to go to somebody and say, look, time's up, man. You've got to stop playing, or you know, you've run out of time on your clock, or. Okay, you need to roll your dice yeah. in front of where people can see them. That's just you've had a couple of people mention it, so could you please make sure either in the dice tray or yeah. clearly. So having those conversations is the hardest bit of it, I reckon, for me. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's horrible. I hate doing it. I never want to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I'd, you know, it's, it's easy being a tournament organiser when everyone's really nice and no, no bad happens because I just get them all crowned and just laugh at people, you know. And when you're um, a, when you're a celebrity, just, though, if you have a hard conversation, sorry to interrupt, but if you're a celebrity okay. like you and you have a hard conversation, uh, I wanted to bring this up anyway. I mentioned it to you, the the Manny incident. It was mm. very well publicised. We can kind of be we can be obsequious if you like, but everybody knows, you know. Yeah, who, it's, it's and, quite public. So, and I've talked to him about it previously. He mm. mentioned it. He addressed it in the chat I had with him. So, yeah. in the incident with Manny, like I don't know if you guys knew each other well at the time. I know your mates now, but but how hard is it when you know I'm going to do I'm this and say. this is going to blow up online? Yeah, if it if it helps, before that happened, we'd shared a bed at, at Vegas in the year before. Right, so you knew each other so, pretty well already. Oh, quite quite well. Like you if say. you if you know the smell of someone's farts, then you know them well. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we, were, we were good mates, you know. Like right. we we like we we like we hung out at tournaments and stuff. Um, and it's it's one of those things. It was. I really, I knew it was happening. There was a news of problem, and obviously it's it's all public now, so it's not, there's nothing to hide about it. But I really didn't want to do anything about it, and I hated it. And I was just like, "There's going to be so much drama after this." But yeah. I, you, you kind of have to put your big boy shoes on and just go. This is affecting other people, and not to be crass, everyone's a paying customer. Everyone's bought a ticket. Everyone's put the same money in the pot, you know. 
and they expect to come and have a fun tournament and have some fun games and and potentially win prizes and yeah. If people are trying to win those prizes maliciously, whether that was intended or not, or you know, at the time it was dubbed a strategic way to win, um, it was kind of like, well, that's not really fair on everyone else. It's got to be. It's a, it is a weekend of fun, and you know, we're the we're the fun guys, and we we laugh at each other, and we laugh and make memes and stuff. But if everyone's paying that paying money to come and play in a tournament, it's got to be fair and square, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If, if people, because people will, the mic, it's a problem. People will listen to this and go, "What are they talking about?" What I didn't catch up with this. So, uh, Manny was accused of submarining. You did you yellow card him? You had to yellow card him, right? And then, uh, and then there was yeah, a, I yellow carded him. And there was a lot of drama afterwards, and it was like it was uh, even over here really divided as to whether submarining's okay or not okay. And that's not what we're mm. talking about. That doesn't matter now. What matters is, uh, and he was, you know, he fronted about it. He was fine. Um, yeah. And then it was, it was difficult because of the the public out, out backlash afterwards. Because obviously, um, at, at my own events, if I yell a card to one, I give them a, a zero in their game um, for for the next game they play. Just so if someone gets a yellow card, they can't win the tournament. Because I don't think that's fair. Right. But they then they, but then they don't get any other penalty from that afterwards. You know, they can carry on playing. They can come to other tournaments and stuff. Um, so it kind of like a lot of people were asking Manny about it at the time, like what happened in your game, and then obviously he had to come out and make a statement, and then I had to come out and make a statement, and I didn't want to make a statement, but <laughs> some Manny had to as well. So we yeah. kind of like both like tied ourselves in a knot essentially, and then and then we had a chat about it afterwards, and we were, we were all chill about it. But we had we had a bit of a a heated discussion about it at the time. <laughs> And then towards the end of the day, it was you know, that's a plywood point. It was a heated discussion at the time. It was pretty chill, you know, one of those standard heated discussions. But right. I, again, like it's it's all out now, and we're all we're, me and Manny are pretty chill now. Yeah. We're all we're, we're still good mates, you know. I'd still share a bed with him if he ever offered, you know. I'd still smell his farts as you put it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but, listen to yeah, someone snoring. Yeah. I feel like if you share a bed with somebody, I've been, you know, you're on oh, yeah, tour Manny with guys snores. snoring is just Manny like, snores oh, big time. <laughs> apparently, apparently, so do I. I went on tour with a couple of guys, a sports tour, and I got woken up in the middle of the night by someone bashing my head with a pillow, going, shut up, <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> so, oh, we've all been there. We've I've, been there. I've, never, I've never heard myself, but apparently it happens. Um, well, I mean, if you never heard yourself, it never happened. Yeah. So the, I want to go back if we can. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm just, you know. No, you're the, the turning pro, when you went, you know, it's a pandemic, you've turned pro. Georgie's moved mm. in, job's gone. Is this a, like a terrifying time? Is it difficult? I mean, this wouldn't be 40K game changers <laughs> if this person I was talking to didn't have a little bit of mental trauma. Oh, mate, it's, a, it's mental trauma every day, you know. Right. <laughs> it's always stressful. It's, it's never not been stressful ever since. Yeah. You know, you put out a video and it flops and you're just like, oh, well, that was fun. I'm glad I put all those hours into that video. You lose all motivation to make a new videos, and you're like, "Well, that one flops, and I'm going to make one that's twice as good <laughs> yeah. next time." Um, yeah. So it's been it's been a constant stress battle, that's for sure. I've definitely had my moments. Where I've just gone, "Oh well, will I still be doing this next month? Will I be doing it in a week? I don't know." <laughs> is um, it is it good having sure. that? Uh, the, I mean, you you have a trade, right? You have something you can do. Like if it all does turn to crap, yeah. is it kind of a nice knowing that there is that backstop? Yeah, it's it's nice having it, but I definitely don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely prefer this job. As much as it's like it's like, it's longer hours, it's more stress. Um, 
I'd obviously like having that I that in back of my head of like if anything really really went badly, um, then I could go and get another normal, probably okay day job. You know. Yeah. Um, but that's not me admitting I'm retiring. It's all <laughs> no. People, please don't take <laughs> that out of context and go, you know, <laughs> yeah. go online. Mikey's done. <laughs> that actually, nah. that could be the clickbait title for this video. Thank you for that. I'll just go. Mikey <laughs> retires <laughs> online. Like live yeah, announcement. Put that the start of the start of the podcast. You know, oh, well, I'm going to go and get a day job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The magic of editing. Um, Oh, yeah. Also, I wanted to touch on 3D printing. You mentioned you started doing this whole thing came about because you were making terrain because you mm-hmm. had time to make terrain, right? You had the ability and the time to do that yourself, a 3D printer. That's blown up as well. You're like, a, this is a whole other thing for you now, a whole other side of life is 3D printing. Yeah, I think my my second most viewed video that isn't Henry Cavill is about 3D <laughs> printing, which is quite funny. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a big thing now. Um, it's a big deal as prices go up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I say, I mean, again, pandemic hits, buy a 3D printer, that's what you do, you know? Leave <laughs> your job, move your girlfriend in, buy 3D printers, that's just how it goes. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I bought one because I was like, I started watching videos on YouTube about, about 3D printers, got on a, cha- a channel known as uh, Uncle Jesse, and he did lots of like 3D printing reviews and how I 3D printed this and etc. Um, and I was like, well, that looks fun. I could print terrain with that because that'd be pretty, really cool. And then I bought one, um, an Algoo Saturn, and then I made a video about it. And then the company that makes it were like, oh, we really like your video. Can we send you another one to do a video about that? And I was like, okay, why not? <laughs> sure. Sure, just keep <laughs> on like, sending oh, me 3D printers. Why not? Yep, I bought one 3D printer. I have... Seven in my printing room at the moment. Nice, because <laughs> I just keep wanting reviews. So I keep making them, you know. And then, um, like making three D printer content, like trying to trying to make it like show how accessible it is, but right. also like how much of a hobby it is. Because I think a lot of people get into three D printing in our community to print Warhammer armies, which is you know fair enough. It's very easy to do, yeah. but it's not something that I've done. I've printed a couple of proxies here and there. I've never printed an entire army, um, but I always try and tell people, like, you can print a Warhammer army with a printer, and you can probably print it quite quickly, but it is a hobby in itself. Yeah, It's not like a supplement. It's not like buying, you know, like an airbrush or something like that. It's, it's buying a whole new hobby that also happens to be really good for making Warhammer models. Right. Not that we're accusing anyone of printing like nine void weavers or anything. Um, <laughs> I mean, fair enough. If, you want to, if that's what you're going to do, that's funny, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, so is there a line, though, for you? Because it's a controversial topic. I'm very, very big on uh, supporting GW because, you know, they were, they've been good yeah. to me and, and your local great gaming store and making sure that you're buying models. Because if we don't, if we all decide we're not buying models, then there's no game anymore yeah. to play. So is yeah. for you, is there a line of stuff that, you know, where you will go, where you won't go with your 3D printing? Yeah, I think I think for me, I've always kind of like said the same thing: is if if you're um, if you're printing models and they're kind of like there's kind of like two types of three D printed models that are available. You know, there's people there's like there's like models that people have designed. They're like a professional designer and they've made let's say Space Marine like miniatures. You know, yeah, yeah. they've made Rhino esque miniatures. And then there's people who look at a picture of a Games Workshop model, like the Void Dragon, for example, and copy it perfectly. 
and let it out into the masses before the Void Dragon goes on the shelf. Um, which is just crazy to me. And it's very it's clearly very talented people that are just looking at a picture and designing a whole model for, for it for a miniature that isn't available like in your hands yet. Because I think the Void Dragon was announced and then it was two months before it got released. And then I saw 3D printed versions of it everywhere. Right. Um, which is crazy. And I think that's kind of like, there's like there's two lines. So there's essentially like uh, Warhammer inspired and Warhammer copies. And I think... Well, one of them is when clearly stealing. <laughs> yeah. And this is inspired like, by him. One is plagiarism, right? That's Yeah. If one's plagiarism, as you say, and the other one, in my opinion, is just a proxy, and that's yeah. probably okay. Like, you could buy a, a miniature from any company that isn't Games Workshop and use it in a game, use it at a tournament, and it's a proxy, and that's okay. Like, yeah. for example, is like a company like Creature Caster, for example. They make super cool demon proxies. And you rock up um, to a game with one of those, people will be like, that's a really cool miniature. And if you rock up to the game with like a 3D printed monster that's like a demon that looks similar, you know, like looks like a bloodthirster, it's got an axe and a whip, but it looks, it's, it's similar, but it's wildly different at the same time, if that makes sense. It's yeah. just a proxy. Yeah. But if you get the one that looks almost perfect, but just looks a bit weird, like a really low res version, like one that was on the PlayStation 2. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, just, it's just a bit bad. And I think I, I think there's like a, an invisible line that people dance over, without, probably without realising um, that it's like one's plagiarism, one's proxying. Proxying is totally fine. Plagiarism is pretty, pretty bad and we probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. How was how much fun was it going to the Legends event in Gibraltar? You're a legend. Do you you do you embrace that? <laughs> Our second best uh, Warhammer YouTuber at that event, you know, officially. Because <laughs> um, it did come second. That's how it works. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Best one on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that um, was Winters won that. Is that the one? Yeah, Winters won that because he, I, he beat Adrian in the last round from Tabletop Titans, and I only lost to Adrian in the la- in the second round. I think it was. Don't quibble um, about the scoring then, method now. It's this is not their place. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but, um, but because Winters beat him, he kind of knocked him down, so I ended up leapfrogging him in the place. <laughs> right, right. So he, you're not quibbling. He would quibble, Adrian. Um, he would quibble, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So, uh, but how much fun is it to go? You know, now that you're in that echelon, you get invited to these things. It's pretty cool. That and the Horus Heresy event that you mentioned earlier. These things are. Yeah. It's amazing to be part of that community. Yeah, it's 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 crazy because I think I think I owe a lot to SM Battle Reports. I'll never tell them to the to the face, and so maybe they hear this. But I think I owe a lot to SM Battle Reports for their no retreat events because I met them when I went to No Retreat Five. They're like traditional invite you know send pictures of your models will invite you to our event i think yeah and when i went there i think i had like five six hundred no i think maybe like 400 subscribers um on youtube and i went there and i met people uh, like lawrence from tabletop tactics obviously met the sn guys and stuff like that and i met a lot of people in the community who went and i've basically maintained all of those friendships since then and i think that's definitely helped me grow the channel because i think like three weeks later because of the no retreat event mini wargaming were in uh, warhammer world they're looking for people to film with and i'd met someone who worked at Warhammer world at no retreat and they put my name forward so i drove down and filmed the back report with mini wargaming wow and then they put that out and then i got like 600 subscribers in a day so we like doubled <laughs> doubled subscribers in a day because of like those like knock-on effects of yeah. going to no retreat meeting people 
their mini war gaming just so happened to be in Nottingham, like an hour down the road from me. And then also I met someone from the retreat there. Um, Isn't that awesome? They, that they, is so good. They, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, you know, there's like the knock-on effect of just meeting nice people who are in the community because the community is so amazing. The good um, news is that Pardo listens to every single episode of this show, he told me. So uh, he will hear this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but to be fair, in the episode, um, I spoke to him uh, in a couple, a couple of weeks ago or a couple of episodes ago, and in that episode, he gave full credit to Lawrence for his success. So it all just kind of goes on and goes around. Amazing, amazing. Did Lawrence give credit for his um, success to anyone? Me, mostly, I think. Ah, of course, of course. That makes sense. (laughs) Now, I've got to ask also about, uh, there was something with Valrak, Chapter Master Valrak, when you were uh, at the event. Someone kept someone else's model, stayed on. What happened there? Oh, um, so whilst I was at No Retreat, um, we well, let, most people left their armies out overnight um, in the venue, which is like a, a hotel. Yeah. And um, the next day, when I went to set up my army, uh, I noticed an Invicta war suit was missing off my tray. Um, and, you know, I knew everyone there, so I kind of like everyone started to set up and deploy, and I like kind of shouted, "I was like, hey, everyone, my Invicta war suit's missing. <laughs> Who's got it?" And everyone started laughing, and then no one owned up, and I was like. No, seriously, <laughs> who's got my war suit? And everyone just kind of looked at me, gone out. And then um, Antonio from Deep Game Spain noticed he was missing three aggressors off his tray as well. Um, and we were like, well, who's nicked a war suit and three aggressors? Um, but anyway, it never showed up. So it, it was clearly like, like there's, no, there's no blame on anyone as of yet. Uh, there's no blame on anyone of what happened, but essentially someone stole an Invicta war suit off my tray and then it's gone. Now, I'm convinced it was a miscreant walking around. The bar was right next to uh, the gaming hall. Someone's walked out, grabbed the model, thought it looked funny, took it back to their room, took it home, thrown it in the sea, we're on a boat for it. You know, (laughs) it could be anywhere. However, most people are convinced that Valrak stole it charged. <laughs> now, I appreciate this is a long story, but because on the run-up to the tournament, um, Varak posted a picture of his models, and he had three redemptive dreadnoughts, and on his list, they were all equipped with macroplasma, but his models had the onslaught Gatling cannon. Right. And me, being a wind-up merchant, I was like, they're funny-looking plasma plasma cannons, <laughs> like the eyes emoji, you know, wings right. in face, tongue out, all that. And anyway, Pardo cracked down in the group chat and went, excuse me, it's not, it's all easy, it's got to be perfect, but right, you've got to change your list. So there's a bit of like, <laughs> we were laughing, a bit of, but the, the, the community, you know, Barak chat, my chat, were like, oh, well, you know, Mikey's like dobbed Barak in. And then three days later, my lawsuit goes missing. So right. I was convinced that Valrak robbed me. <laughs> and then did he post um, pictures after the event of him with an Invicta warsuit going, hey, Mikey, is that? No, 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 that wasn't Valrak. Someone, someone made an Instagram account called Mikey's Invicta warsuit, which I think has like five, 600 followers on Instagram now. Oh, my God. Um, and his post was bad posting pictures of, um, believable holiday snaps of a, a dreadnought on the top of the rock, 
um, with with hot babes in the bar. I think that's what it has. <laughs> um, Gary working in the library because Georgie works in the library, and they kept referring to me and Georgie as mum and dad. Oh, lovely! Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's so good, man. Some so, like people are clever, right? That's very. Account. That's funny. That's funny yeah, stuff. It's very very good. I feel like yeah, they're for still jokes that you stole it. For a little while, I feel like you were the Eminem and Machine Gun Kelly of 40K. You're like just, uh, just stoking the fire online. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big yeah, time. yeah. He's a, he's a legend. He's about a color into this. So, uh, so what happens now? You've, you're a legend already. You've been invited to G-Dub by G-W. You had the lanyard and everything. You and Georgie invited I to the know. Horus Heresy event. So that's cool. Yeah. That um, was crazy. Where is there to go from here? Oh, I, don't, I think I've peaked. I think we've talked about retirement, haven't we? And you've been on Game Changers now, so it's official. I mean, yeah, that, that is the one thing I was going for because, uh, you know, I do change games sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd, well, to be um, fair, and we talked, I know we don't want to go back down the road, but the, the whole thing with Manny, that you did change the way tournaments are organised, played, scored in, in the UK anyway. Yeah. I mean, that Definitely was a big deal. Yeah, I, I don't like to say I'm the most influential 40k content creator on the platform. However, <laughs> <laughs> however, big but tournaments are now I scoring think. events differently because of your yellow yeah. card. You do you whip out a card everyone, one time, the world changes. One one in very important yellow card. Everyone plays win pass rather than box. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean. yeah. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what is coming next for you, but all the best with it, whatever it is. I've always enjoyed your content. I always enjoyed the attitude, and I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, have a chat today. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I really, really appreciate it. It's been really fun. Mikey Herbert from Hellstorm Wargaming is an absolute legend and I can't wait to see what comes next. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Really appreciate it. Go like us on Facebook, leave a review, check out the website, all of that good stuff. Uh, Take care. Happy gaming. That's it for the second season. But I'll be back soon with more conversations, with more 40K game changes. I'm Steve John. See you then.